Everything happens when all things come together in what can only be described as perfect chaos. And welcome to episode 12 of the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David. Together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this, but also who we are. Rhonda is an assistant professor of education at a local university, and David is a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse, ranging from sociology, criminal justice, fire and emergency medical services to emergency management, and together, education. And this comes together into our perfect chaos. So this week, we're going to take a look at the feeling of being overwhelmed already. We're all beginning our spring semesters right around this time, and this spring seems to look a little more daunting than ever before. We talked a couple of weeks ago about ways to help you prepare for spring semester, but this week, we're going to look at that feeling of being overwhelmed that is so typical to feel during the first few weeks of the semester. However, this spring... We're dealing with all of those normal things, plus some pandemic fatigue, the actual pandemic, some political and civil unrest all the way around us, and even a little bit of strange weather, depending on where we are. So on the day we're recording this yesterday, we uh, ended up with snow. Lots of snow. Lots of snow, but no snow. But no snow on the ground. But no snow on the ground. It's, you know, uh, that strange weather you you mentioned there, it's just, you know, rather, we've had just... Just strange strangeness. That's, yes. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of everything that we're dealing with these days. Is but we did have a white Christmas. We did have a white Christmas, which in for ourselves is strange. a strange event. You know, <laughs> so we had a real white Christmas. <laughs> so as you mentioned, uh, you know, there, there's everything. There's a lot of stuff going on, as you as you mentioned, and and this isn't getting into political size or anything like that. There's just everything that's going on from. From the political side to our our jobs, pandemic, social media, everything is just is just there. Yeah, it did not take long for the memes about I'm ready to end my free trial of 2021 because the first seven days are not great. Um, for, first seven days, let, let's uh, Amazon. I gotta send this back. Sorry, we're we're, we're we're reviewing this already. It's a one star. And we would go to zero if they would let us try. But, uh, you know, so we're going to talk today a little bit about uh, about that overwhelming feeling. Uh, you know, for me, spring is, you know, it, it's, fall and spring are, are different in general. I always feel a little bit uh, behind always starting in the spring semester. And then and I don't know if that's because, you know, we, we have that holiday break right before and then, like, you come back and it's ready to start. Whereas, you know, before we have a little bit more spin on time, you know. Right. Well, and, and, that's and, kind of what we talked about in episode 10 um, when we were talking about prepping for a new year um, with a new semester. But, you know, for fall, we have a whole lot more prep time. Um, and, you know, not only are we dealing with our normal fatigue, the normal things, all those things going on around us, we're having to answer those questions in our classrooms for our students. We're having to answer those questions about what is going on for ourselves. And then, you know, for those of us that have kids, I mean, you and I, how many questions have we answered 
over the past, like, 14 days. I mean, we're not even two weeks in, hardly two, just a little over two weeks in to 2021, and, like, the hits just keep coming. They they do. And so all of that, uh, as teachers, we have to take all of that in stride and come up with a plan. Right. And keep ourselves sane at the same time. Right. Um, so I guess kind of the first thing, and I don't know, maybe this is just me (coughs) and it happens at the beginning of, of any semester, but it seems like it's worse in the spring that the first few days back, I am exhausted. It feels like I haven't done anything in months. Very much so. Now, I mean, we went back last week and that first day back in the office, I came home, I think you looked at me and said, what's for dinner? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> Just go pick something up because I'm done. Well, you know, and so this is where I guess we, we talk a little bit more. So both of us have 12-month responsibilities. Right. Uh, so even during the summer, we have stuff going uh, for educators, you know, whether we're talking P-12, uh, the, the higher education, you know, there's, there's many different designations. But, uh, you know, so we typically sit in that where we're working – all summer even. Right. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward. This is the first, this coming summer is the first one that I'm on a, a nine-month contract, so I'll be teaching, but it'll be online. I don't have to be in the office. I'm kind of excited about that. But, you know, that whole concept of teachers are off during the summer, we all know that that's a fallacy. Right. Like I it, mean, it's they, not a thing. It doesn't matter what your contract is. Right. And, and, and even during that nine-month, you know, if they're nine-month, if they're P-12, you know, a lot of those teachers are either one- uh, prepping for the next school year, but they're also, some of them are also working other, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Right. But but with that, you know, I, I think one of the few times as, as somebody that does have 12 month responsibilities that you do kind of have everything off because everybody is gone. Cause that's one of the things we know. If there's anybody that's in the office, right. Or they, we're, not there's, off. we're not off. You're, you know, you're getting emails, you're getting phone calls, you're getting inquiries about things. Uh, so, that time is one of the few times that everybody pretty much knows that there's nobody available. Right, that that so, winter or holiday or Christmas or whatever break we want to call it. So, with that, you know, everybody kind of leaves you, and like you're able to your your brain can veg for at least get to something different uh, for a little while. For us this year, it was you know the office and. Uh, the white Christmas, you know, but there was right. a lot of stuff that we were able to do. Right. Uh, unfortunately, this year was a, a year we weren't able to go to a bowl game. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> difference. We're not going to talk about bowl d- Different story altogether. <laughs> so with that, with the fact that we've been able to kind of eliminate everything else, now we come back and it's like, hey, time to go. This, this week we kind of had a lead in that we had a work from home week and then go to the office. Right. But but even with that, you know, you're here, you know. And we started classes. So we worked from home the very first full week of January and went in last week. And then classes started on Wednesday for us. And ours are, are coming up starting this week after right. the MLK holidays. So, so it was just a couple of days in the office before we were full tilt right. rolling. And, and it's been an exhausting week. It is, uh, you know, conversations I've had. It's, it's kind of been one of those that it's, hey, it, it's like, 
but as I've been talking to a lot of people about the pandemic, like everything that used to take 15 minutes to, to plan and to do now right. takes an hour because there are some people working from home, some people are not. So there's a lot, you know, it, it just seems more energy is involved. Right. It's kind of like running a mile and you're used to running that mile and now you put a 20 pound weight vest on. Just go I, to the fitness I side. don't know anything about being used to running a mile. I'm a cardi no. <laughs> that is not my thing. But, but you know, I know in what this, you're saying. This is that overwhelmed feeling. So it is. you're, you're it used is. to something, and, and even those that, uh, that are used to running, when they put that load on. Right, it changes. Right. Now, I get that. Um, <clears throat> and I think there is something to be said for the fact that we have this same overwhelmed feeling in the fall. When we start back, but I almost think because typically we have had a longer break period. Now, whether we were working part-time or full-time, summers are not as busy. Even if we're on a 12-month contract, there is a little bit more, like, time to breathe. Just because typically most of us are not teaching as many classes. So, when we come back in the fall, we've had a nice long either period of downtime or slower time, whichever way you want to think about it. And we're ready, right? I'm always excited coming back in the fall. See the students, you know, we've missed our kids, that kind of thing. But it almost feels like when we come back in the spring, while we have had an actual legitimate, you know, for this two weeks, our for both of us, for two weeks, our institutions were totally closed. But then it's like, oh, because we've been closed, we're two weeks behind before we ever get started. And it was just long enough for you to totally veg out, but not long enough for you to be done with vegging out and ready to come back. Right. If that makes sense. So I, I think there is something to be said. Um, you know, I think part of the overwhelm, at least for me, um, most of the time when I'm overwhelmed, it's because I'm just mentally exhausted but i think right now part of it is just the sheer i'm physically exhausted um and then there's also in my mind so for us we started classes on wednesday we had classes wednesday thursday friday and then we're closed on monday for martin luther king jr day and then we start back so it's like this start stop start stop you know and it's a little like you can't get into a rhythm well, I, I even go a little bit further than that and say that, uh, you know, the spring's a little bit different as well in the fact that with the fall, you seem to have multiple days, you know, there's ho multiple holidays within there. Uh, but when you come back to spring, it's like that very first, like you said, we're behind, we have to catch up. So uh, it takes a lot more energy to get caught up. There is a couple of little start stops at the beginning, and then there's a huge period of time until you get to spring break, there's right? nothing. When I taught high school, that was the joke, was that from the middle of January until spring break was the longest stretch of time ever. Right. They don't. They, it was like the Hundred Year War. There's there's no days off. And then after spring break, it's like, okay, now now you have this, that, or the other. You know, right. a good, good Friday. Yeah, and there's some a long others. stretch there. Um, um, so. Uh, which, I mean, I'm not complaining, but it, it is. It seems like we start overwhelmed because of having that two weeks off. And then you just feel like you can't catch up. Right. And by the time you do get to spring break, most of us are so tired. You know, you sit there and you look at your computer over spring break and it's like, man, 
I know I have so much that I need to do to get myself caught up, but I'm so tired I can't function. So we we we're going to get into this episode as as you alluded to a little bit about uh, figuring out some ways to combat that feeling of just being absolutely overwhelmed. So let's go ahead and get started in there. So how are some of those ways that we can combat that feeling of being overwhelmed? <coughs> Sorry. So there's a couple things that I have that I have done um, over the past few years that have really really helped me, and one of them is to write everything down. Uh, I know I've talked before, I gave it in a tip of the week once about the little book that I keep on the right hand, top right hand side of my desk. Um, and amazingly enough, now that we've got the office finished here, I have a book here too. Uh, and I write down absolutely everything that I need to get done that day. Even to the point that, um, you know, yesterday I ended up running into the office. I was going to work from home and I had to go into the office to get a couple things accomplished and in the middle of while I was there a new student came in needed a schedule not yesterday Friday I don't even know what today is but on Friday a student comes in they need a new schedule so or they need a schedule they've just been admitted so I worked with them and got them a schedule they're not going to be my advisee they'll be somebody else's but I was the person that was there that that could get that accomplished so I did that once they left I wrote that down that I had done it um and I do keep it in a book and one of the things, one of the ways that has helped, at least me, with this sense of being overwhelmed is that I know I can go back and see what I've done. So I'm not ever sitting there wondering, oh, wait, did I do this? Do I need to do this? When do I do this? Any of that kind of stuff. So at least in my mind, that gives me a little bit of peace of mind. So I'm not, you know, used to, I would lay there awake all night, um, because I watched you sleep and might have thought about putting a pillow over your face once or twice. <laughs> but I did that because there were so many things going through my head of, oh, don't forget you got to do this, don't forget you got to do that. It has been extremely helpful for me to have something where I'm writing it down. Then when I go to bed, I'm not worried about, oh my gosh, don't forget that you've got to do da 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 the next day. And I'll tag on to that because uh, the way I am normally, you know, I just go get stuff done, and it's funny that you mentioned one of these uh, things. It's uh, is uh, from Stephen Covey talking about ur- urgent and important, and you'll see that up on one of our blog posts later on. Uh, but I, one of the things is, is I'll usually go and do and do and do, and then as things start to get added and added to my head, um, they get overwhelming. Well, I have started utilizing uh, a written list as well, a calendar, and and you know that allows me to coordinate and. But uh, one of the things for me is if I start to get overwhelmed because there's a lot of stuff, then I quit writing stuff down. And it's like I don't have anything, but then all the things start to come back up. So right. uh, it, it's kind of making sure that you have that way, that focus. So and you can see that getting checked off because that's one of those things that helps kind of the mental health resilience side of this right. is, okay, I'm not getting anything done. Well, you can look back and see that you have check marks and you see that, yes, tomorrow you may not have gotten everything done today, but tomorrow you're list is shorter than it was today and you may add to that right and it actually i am i have now gotten to the point that it almost stresses me out if my list only has just very few things on it when i first started i was one of those people that was um it bothered me if i didn't check all the things if i didn't get all the things done 
Uh, and then I realized as I was writing everything down that I was doing, there was no way to get all the things done. That the goal was not to have an empty list at the end of the day. The goal was to have my list and to have done the things that needed to be done and successfully not dropped any of the 17 balls that we had going in the air. So writing it down has really been one of those things. The other thing, and this goes a little bit with writing it down, uh, and you alluded to it a minute ago, is to calendar everything. So in my calendar, in my planner, not only is it my personal planner, it also has the dates that things are due um, so that I know what's coming up. I know when I can say, you know what, I'm really tired today, so I'm going to push this off till tomorrow because it's all in there. Now, you and I both know my joke is that if you have any question about how much I like to use a calendar, just think about the fact that we have two children that are born 50 minutes from being exactly five years apart to the minute. Like, I really like my calendar. Um, and that is actually a true fact, those of you that are listening. Our kids are share the same birthday five years apart, and they are within 50 minutes of being to the minute five years apart. Uh, but that has also helped with some of those feelings of being overwhelmed. Because what it allows me to do is the days that I have in-person classes, which uh, are Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Uh, I have night classes on Monday nights and Tuesday nights. Then I have day classes Tuesdays and Thursday. Um, but those days, I sit there and I try to make sure that what I've got planned, I can kind of line things up. I don't attempt to grade things on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Because if you're going to teach three or four classes in a day, there's just no, there's not time for that. But it has also allowed me to make sure that I am giving myself time, for instance, after class to answer student questions. Or if I want to, uh, I am have been known to put an announcement in our LMS and say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to head to Maples, which is um, a little cafe up in our library. I'm going to go up to Maples and get a coffee if anybody wants to meet me there, you know. I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes there. Um, if you have any questions about class or anything you want to talk about, come see me. Uh, and so that has been extremely helpful. It also has allowed me to take a day that I'm blocking off. So for me, that day is Friday. Fridays, I am not going into the office. I'm working from home so that it's not a students in and out of my office all day kind of day. Uh, and, and I know that that's a dedicated, this is the day that I'm going to get uh, behind the scenes work, paperwork, grading, that kind of thing done. So uh, one of the things that this does is, especially in, in the pandemic verse that we're currently in, takes a, a little bit of planning because what we have seen a lot is the addition of Zoom meetings, Zoom for this, Zoom for that. And so it may be that, uh, you know, especially if, if you're the one that is initiating some of these due to whatever that is, 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 is this meeting important for this week? Is this something that we have to do? Or is this something that we think is going to be good, but we want to take an hour out of our schedule? So kind of prioritizing. If you have it written down, you can prioritize. This kind of goes back to Franklin Covey's. Is this an A, one, two, three? Is it B? You know, what, what is a priority? Right. Is it urgent and important? Is it uh, urgent and not important? Is it important, not urgent? Or is it not urgent and not important? And 
and putting those there. If you kind of just leave those uh, sitting out uh, in your head, then then that prioritization is not there. If you write them down, you can kind of say, hey, this is an A, this is a B, this is a C, this is a D. You know, right. And, and they can change. And, and Right. And, as you know, other things come up. You know, if, if you have a suspense on something that's uh, or, or a deadline on something that's due, you know, two months away, well, Right now, it's not important, it's not urgent, or it could be an important that's not urgent, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you've right. had some other things, but you can prioritize, and you can start to take things off your schedule for this week to kind of allow for that, you know. Right. So, one of the things um, in one of my classes, I was talking about kind of the history of higher education, and they talked about, at, you know, at one point in time, higher education, they, their professors basically lived with the students. They were there consistently, and we've kind of taken that away because now we fill that time that would typically be associated with that non-class student uh, interaction with meetings. Right. And so... And research. And, and research. And, and, and so now we can actually plan some time to say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be out. And this is where we kind of develop some of those soft skills that we've kind of talked about as well. It's like, hey, you know, interaction, network, uh, those things that are not necessarily class, but they build up the student as an individual as well. Right. And it also, you know, we've all seen the memes. I just survived another meeting that could have been an email. There's some socks associated with that too, but uh, we won't. Yeah, I know. So the question is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about us right now in, in the higher education side of feeling overwhelmed. Uh, but, are the feelings of being overwhelmed similar across the ranges of teaching? So, absolutely. Um, it, you know, at the heart of teaching, at the heart of educating, educating our students and people, and you know, if you are, so I consider myself. A lot of my students actually call me mom. Um, I am a teacher mom uh, combo. I spend part of my time teaching and part of my time being mom. That's just who I am. It's my personality. So if that's the kind of teacher you are, a lot of those feelings of being overwhelmed can come from what interactions you're having with your students. Um, when I taught high school, there were things about that that were way more overwhelming. Um, being advisor for a club, the different types of paperwork that had to be done. In general, a P-12 teacher has more paperwork than a higher education teacher. It It's just a thing. Um, you know, you've got a different set of rules. You've got a different set of things that you're working on. But as I told, when I was going through my doctoral program, I can remember somebody saying to me, because I was teaching in higher ed at that point, and they said, yeah, but you have it way easier than we do because you don't have to deal with hungry kids. And you and I both know, no, we, we do. And not only are we dealing with hungry kids, we're dealing with the parents of the hungry kids because they're in our classes sometimes. So I think everybody is overwhelmed. I think it's different things that contribute as far as paperwork, research, time, that kind of thing. But I think because the very heart of what we do is to work with students, that emotional 
piece, the emotional fatigue, that's hitting everybody, regardless of whether you're teaching pre-K or doctoral students. It's, it's across the board. And, and so talking about the, that personal side as well, you know, those educators, whether they're in the, the, the best school construct, which is that elementary, middle, and high school, you know, like how I toss that former. Uh, Whatever. Uh, we are all on ultimately the same calendar. You know, one of the things we've talked about is, is a future episode we'll talk about, you know, like year-long schools, some of the different calendaring. But really, you know, we're all in that same boat that that calendar is the same. So coming back from this, you know, if you're year long, if you're middle high school, whatever, you know, you've had that same period of time off. And we all try to, you know, because we've got traveling, we've got family, we've got celebrations, you know, we kind of get out of here. So we all are human. We all have the same calendar. And so uh, and we're all in the same environment, pandemic or, or just normal education we're all there. So it doesn't matter who or where. Now, uh, some of your more experienced educators, those have been in the profession for a little bit longer, may have some uh, adaptive coping mechanisms or they know that, hey, I've got to have this, this, and this done before I even leave so that when I come back. So maybe a, an experienced educator has a, a couple of those coping mechanisms already in place. And this is where they should share and mentor some of those newer educators where those newer educators They've been on the student side of it where they have come back and they haven't had to prep because they're coming back into a new class um, or continuing and they finished up everything in December and they're, they're coming back anew or one way or another. Well, and, you know, even those experienced teachers, as we said back when we very first started this podcast, I think it was in our very first podcast, we talked about the fact that every year or every teacher this year is a new teacher because of the pandemic. So I think for most of us, we were very deliberate in trying to not work over the break, which was great because I don't know a teacher, whether they're pre-K or doctoral, I don't know any teachers that were not just totally exhausted by the time we got to winter break. But where does that leave us now? And how much has that contributed to even more of a feeling of being overwhelmed? Um, you know, so I, I do think it's something that, that happens across the board. And the thing is, even though we're looking at it from a teacher's stand, standpoint or a teacher point of view, our kids are overwhelmed right now because they're going through at least the world things the same that we are. Um, you know, it, it's not just us that are watching the news and going, oh, my word, there, what is going on? You know, and I don't care what political side you're on. If you're not, if you haven't watched the news in 2021 and at least once said, oh, my word, I think I'm getting punked. Like, then you're not watching the news. I don't even care which side you're on. Well, and, and the fact that at one point in time, students were able to get away from some of it because they didn't uh, go into some of the different realms that they were in. You know, they if you'd have to watch uh, a news channel or, uh, you know, if all you had is a broadcast channels, you'd have to watch during the, the news segment itself. But now uh, with social media and other aspects and the fact that uh, so many people post their their uh 
comments on it. Uh, you know, it it's everywhere. So they do, and not all the time. Just like uh, we've talked about with our son. You know, I've had, I don't know how many phone or, uh, phone conversations, how many car ride conversations I've had about you know why is this or why is that? Why don't we do this? Why why do we do that? I mean, he walked in this morning. He bopped in. I was up. You weren't up yet. I was in here working on the computer. He came in to the office behind me, scared the bejesus out of me. But the very first words out of his mouth are, how do we get electricity? What's it made from? I mean, there's a lot. That's a a lot at 8 o'clock on a weekend morning. Right. I'm just saying that's a lot. You know, I, I think we have to figure out how to help our kids, our kids, like our actual, the children that we have birthed or that I have birthed, you were just standing there during that process, but you know, we have to figure out how to help them deal with it. But how do we help our students deal with it as well? Because they are overwhelmed too. And for me, like the prevailing two things are acknowledgement and grace for them and for us. And I also think that, you know, as people, it's a little bit of forgiveness as well. And the fact that there is a lot going on, and if something gets overlooked, right, then hey, Let, let's give some grace. Let's let's be kind. Right, like uh, I don't really like political quotes, but I will say, if we could have one that says "Make America Kind Again," I'm behind it. And I think you posted a, a recent uh, personal blog. I did. On. I did a whole personal blog about "Make America Kind Again," because <laughs> um, it's just a thing. But I do think, you know, I can remember when we were growing up, a few things major that happened. Um, The Challenger exploding was one of them. I mean, I can remember some of those things that we saw happen, and our teachers were expected to explain it to us and deal with it and be strong. Like, you never got to see a chink in the armor, right? Like, something could happen locally, but you never saw a chink in the armor. And I think it's really important for us to not hold to that. Now, that doesn't mean that we're standing up there sobbing every day. But I do feel like it's important for us to be personable. And that means that we don't have armor. Like, we're people. And, you know, so when you take a look at uh, professionals, what? and I'm going to go outside of teachers right now, but, uh, you know, we can go into to my other side and, and your other side as well, talking about... The, the emergency services community, fire, law enforcement, EMS. Uh, but really, you know, you get into bankers, CEOs uh, of large corporations and all this different stuff. And the idea is, is, well, they've made it there. They're successful. If you're an educator, you're in the front of the classroom. You're smart. You've gone through all these classes. And therefore, you kind of know it all. And the problem is, is we, we can be a jack of all trades, master of none. Or, as we know, you know, most educators, especially once you get in the middle high school realm, are very specific. So I, I had a physics uh, and chemistry teacher in, in high school, absolutely loved him, did a ton of stuff and and piqued my interest in, in science. But heaven help, he couldn't help you with English or, you know, he, he knew math because, you know, that you know, with, physics. with physics, you have to have a, <laughs> a, the, the math side. But, you know, he, he when it come to, um, uh, I, I shouldn't say common sense, but kind of Daily, like he thought his mind through a very science science lens, very very much Sheldon Cooper ish. That 
you know, he had all the answers, but when it came to the day-to-day things, they don't. So you have to kind of take a look at those individuals and say, hey, yeah, they're experts in their area. They're teachers. They're they're, uh, mercy services. They go to work. They do a ton of stuff because they're dealing, you know, we look at the the students that we see on a daily basis from my programs to to your uh, programs and classes, the the P-12 students that uh, our teachers have to see every day. There's so many students. There's so much going on. And while they are experts and they're going to go up and do the best, they're going to make a mistake. This goes back to the forgiveness as well. Uh, but also what wears on us, or wears on everybody as an individual, also wears on those teachers as well. Right. And at, at one moment or another, it could be the difference between them coming in and teaching your students and not being able to the next day because they've just broken. Right. Well, and I think there is something to be said about you know, even the concept of admitting, I don't have the answers, you know, and the thing is, yes, we're experts in what we teach. You know, when I taught criminal justice, I was, I'm still, I guess, considered an expert in that field, but I had to turn my thinking to make it okay to look at a student and say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but let's see what we can find out. And I think when we allow ourselves to do that, that also is going to help with this feeling of being overwhelmed because we don't have to have all the answers. And that's you need to know what you're doing really well. But it's okay to look at a kid and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but let's figure it out together. And this kind of goes into the military side as an intel officer. I, I have to have my, myself and my team, whenever we go to brief, whoever we're briefing, we're supposed to spend the time to have whatever uh, products that we're, we're presenting to them and have a kind of way ahead to say these are the questions that they're going to ask and to try and have an answer or at least say, hey, there's not enough information out there. But at some point in time, the, the individual that we're briefing is going to come up to us and say, hey, I've got this question. And you're going to look stunned because that's going to be the question that you didn't think about. Right. And you have to be able to go, sir, ma'am, I don't have the answer to that. But if you give me today, I'll either get you the person that can get you the answer or I'll get you the answer. Well, and we have to be, in all truthfulness, kids are going to come up with those questions. They are. They're, they're They'll creative. come up with it quicker than an adult will. Very much um, so. And, and it's, I think it is for me, part of fighting that feeling of being overwhelmed is giving myself the grace to say, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to do it all perfect. What is our end goal? Okay. Well, our end goal is that we teach our kids. And for me, the end goal is that I'm not just giving them knowledge, but I'm also showing them how to be a better teacher so that when they get out in a classroom, they're not sitting there with that armor on, you know. So I think that's a really important thing is that we acknowledge that we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers and we're allowed to be human. And that means we might forget something. We are. Now, 
I'm going to kind of go into a, a different route uh, with this as well for just the next couple of minutes. And, and that is at one point in time, teaching was basically considered kind of an eight to four, eight to five kind of job. <laughs> Eight to three. Eight to three. Uh, yeah, I, gi- I give that, a little that's credit. That's what to we it. get. That's what we get told all the time. And and uh, you know those teachers when they walked out, they didn't have to. They didn't. There wasn't email. There wasn't cell phones. There wasn't social media. There wasn't a, a way to contact. If you wanted to get into contact with the teacher, you either had to have their home phone number. You had to know where they lived and go to their house, and or you had to wait till the next morning. Right. And now it's a. Now they were still working way past three. Uh, they will. They were. But uh, but the the on callness, right? And so with the advent of technology and the uh, the electrical world <laughs> that is powered by electronic or electronics is powered by the electrical the digital world, world. The digital world has has kind of opened that up to now. A student says, at, you know, at nine o'clock in the evening, hey, I've got. You know, this homework assignment's hard and I need some help. I need your guidance. And, you know, it's due at midnight that night. And so that's where they, the urgent and important uh, thing comes up. Is like right. a failure to plan on your part doesn't create an emergency on mine. Yeah, I actually um, talked about that this past week. And so, you know, now it's, hey, I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. And and they, they email. They hit your socials. They, they do whatever to contact you. And you have access to that because your phone is connected to your email or you have your tablet or you have your right. computer out. And now, you know, it's six, seven, eight o'clock at night. You kind of, because as teachers, teachers are always wanting to help their students. Right. They feel a need. They, it's not even a need. It's a requirement that they help. Well, and it's who we are. Right. Like it, outside of it being a requirement, you know, I mean, our, our administration, even over Christmas, you know, they sent us an email before Christmas break and they were like, look, we really, truly want you guys to take this as a break. We don't want you answering emails and, and doing the things. But when a student texted me three days before Christmas to ask a question that did not need to be answered at that exact moment, I still answered him because that's who I am. Uh, and I think that that is part of when I talk about using a calendar, part of that is setting the expectations for yourself. You know, I, when you were talking about the assignment thing I made in the classes that I had that started this past week, both classes on Thursday, I made the comment because they all get my cell phone number. I give it out. I don't keep it secret. There's too many students that have it. So I might as well just put it on the syllabus. But I always talk about, you know, please use my cell phone for emergencies. You know, and I joke about it, but I try to make the point that, at least in my classes, you know every assignment you're going to have on day one. So do not wait until the night before it's due at 9 o'clock and send me a message, because I'm not going to answer you then. Uh, and part of that is is pushing them to grow. Uh, I do have lots of freshmen in those particular classes that I had on Thursday. So part of that is teaching them to grow up and, and be an adult or your adult. Um, if you want to think about it that way, but it's also trying to preserve myself. If I answer every text message that comes in and every email that comes in all the time, I'll never get anything else done. And there, there has to be that work life balance. Yeah. I've had to set limits. Cause if you oh. remember 
back when I first started, when I was the graduate advisor for everybody, I'd answer emails at two o'clock in the morning. Right. And and that's not healthy. That and it definitively contributes to having a sense of being overwhelmed. So as we kind of change uh, direction again here, coming back to to what we had actually uh, initially planned. Um, <laughs> Wrapping up the the teacher side, you know, going back to what we were kind of saying first is, one, kind of write down everything. Know what you have going on. If it's a calendar item, make sure the calendar item's there. uh, Have that to-do list. Prioritize that to-do list. But also prioritize not only your work time, your work additional responsibilities. Because we know teachers are not just teaching. They have bus duties. They have coaching. They have a club. They have, so prioritize, but also prioritize you time. And that is time that you shut off the emails, shut off the text messages, do the things that make you happy, whether it's read, whether it's, you know, hike, whether, you know, but prioritize some you time as well. So that, you know, you've got work time, uh, you know how to pass forward items, meet deadlines, but also give you some uh, refurbishment, refreshing uh, time. Uh, tranquility. Tranquility refresher. Are you thinking back uh, yeah. to what we were watching yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Tra- tra- tranquility. We need to refresh. Re- uh, refurbishment. My, refurbish. Uh, my refurbish your tranquility. Uh, and so as teachers, we have to. And But a lot of this stuff then goes on to, as we've been alluding to, the students as well. Right. So now how as educators do we help our students combat the same feelings that we have? I think a lot of it is we have to model it. I think the days of the teacher with the suit of armor, I think we're done. There's too much going on in the world. There are too many other things going on in student lives. There's too much research out there that shows us that you are a better educator if you build relationship with your students. I think we have to model it. And so my my challenge, um, and I've spoken about this in a few podcasts, last semester I created a challenge for myself to not eat lunch at my desk. I could eat lunch at the table in my office, but to not actually sit at my desk in front of my computer and eat lunch. Um, and I managed to do it all semester. And I've done it, you know, I'm going to continue to do that. But the impetus behind that was that I noticed as <coughs> I had students coming in my office, because it's kind of a hangout place, and that's great, and I love having them there. Um, but I sat and I watched. And they were spiraling and feeling totally out of control. But they were doing the same thing I was. They were sitting there with their computer open, working on an assignment, trying to eat lunch, trying to answer questions. I think we have to model it. And if we can't do it for us, we have to do it for them. This is one of those things, too, that, uh, you know, as you're talking about, if you're sitting there at your desk eating, you're trying to multitask. And many, many years, decades ago, they talk about multitasking. And it was basically a way to say, hey, you're able to do two things at once. But as we get into the research now, we realize that you really can't. Um, No matter what you do, you always have to hang up on one thing before you can do another. So typing and talking and reading uh, at some point in time, you're going to have, you'll, you'll hear yourself and you'll go, huh, what'd you say? I, I didn't, well, it's not that you didn't hear it. It's that you weren't 
focused and right. pointed there. Uh, so you're actually more productive when you do take that time away and do eat, allow your brain to refresh, feed it uh, the, the necessary energy to, to move forward, and then come back to it. And so uh, that's, that's not a bad thing. And, and explaining that to your students, like, hey, you're doing the same thing I've done. Right. Um, and you're, you're multitasking. Let's take a look at it. It doesn't work. How many times in your last phone call when you were trying to do this, this, and this, did you have to say, hey, I, I didn't quite catch that. Let me, and we've come up with creative ways. Hey, my phone broke up or, or, you know, whatever. And just stop for a second, engage in that conversation and realize we get that done. And it's quicker. We have a better conversation. We have better engagement and we move on. So take time away. And it actually makes you right. It makes more you more efficient. productive. All right. So then the last piece of this is how do we do all of this and still pay attention to rigor and still hit standards and still work towards those achievements that we're supposed to hit? So this is kind of the, the big blocks. And, and I go back to, again, Franklin Covey one more time. You opened it up this morning, uh, but I kind of been on Franklin Covey here all day. And one of the things that he would do is uh, in, in the presentations, uh, and obviously uh, once it got big enough that he had instructors go, they basically had a, a large fish tank, and they gave you several boulders and a lot of small pebbles. And the thing was, all of these fit inside this tank, make it happen. And he'd bring somebody up and there would be a couple of them up there and they would all do it and they'd try to figure it out. And so one of the things that you have is those big boulders and the small pebbles. Well, we know that if you try to put all the small pebbles in the tank first and then put the boulders behind it, they're not going to fit. Right. So we have to plan. So we know that academic rigor and, and our standards are key. We've got to maintain those. We don't want to devalue the education. We want to make sure that we're maintaining that that uh, the appropriateness of our programs. And so those are kind of the big boulders. So we know what's going on, and we can put those blocks in our system first and then kind of build around. Like you said, you've got specific days. Tuesdays and Thursdays are very heavy. Uh, they go from basically first thing in the morning to, to late in the evening to try to put in blocks such as time to go to the the coffee place and uh, take time out with students, that's probably not the best day. Right. So we've got those class days. We know we've got to put the supporting material and you know, prep time and stuff like that associated. And then we can look at where to plug in the rest of the stuff, I, I think is, is kind of the one of those key things. Well, and I think it's important for us to realize that when if we're going to talk about boulders, you've got rigor that's a boulder. You've got your standards that are a boulder. Grace and forgiveness are also a boulder. Um, we have to teach certain things, right? Those are our standards. But we don't have to teach them in a certain order slash time period, right? There is no law that says if I'm teaching math, there's a state standard that says I have to teach fractions. But it doesn't say that I have to teach fractions over these three days. It says I have to hit it in this year. Uh, and I think it's really important for us to recognize that. When we plan, and most of us curriculum map for a semester uh, and then plan a unit at a time, and I think it's really important for us to remember that there are going to be things that take more time 
for our students to catch. And then there's going to be things that they just get it. Allow some of that freedom. Allow some of that ebb and flow uh, because it also will help with these feelings of being overwhelmed. Sometimes your kids are going to come in and they're going to be on it. And you're going to get through the lesson and everybody's feeling great. And then the next day they may come in and something has happened and it's just not the day that goes back into that grace, right? Um, give yourself some grace to stretch. Uh, give your students some grace to ask the questions they need to ask. Because if all we look at are the two big boulders of rigor and standards and don't remember that there's another big piece, um, we're going to be miserable and we're going to stay overwhelmed. And uh, there is one of the principles um, at a local school that I take my student, or I used to take my students to when we could take students places, um, <coughs> would always ask the the students, uh, what are you going to teach? And they'd be like, oh, I'm going to teach English or I'm going to teach. And he said, no, you're teaching kids. And the thing that I, that I take and move beyond that is to remember we're teaching humans and we ourselves are humans. And we can't just do the boulders. We have to have that other, we can't just look at rigor and standards. We have to remember rigor is great. Standards are wonderful. I'm in full agreement of having standards. But we're teaching people and we are people. And some days that's going to go better than others. And I think the the more that we can accept that and understand that, we actually do better at maintaining rigor and hitting our standards when we cut ourselves some slack. Knowing that... As you mentioned, you know there are days that you walk in, their students are there, ready to go, and that and that lesson will will move smoothly. And other days, know the importance of of each lesson as well. And if you've got an important lesson that really has a effect on everything else, then we can spend a little bit more time there and shave off other areas. Because if they don't get this, they go there. But also know that. As you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff in life that happened, and I'm just going to go back to uh, an event that happened in my freshman year of high school. Uh, it's when the uh, the bomb went off at the Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building. We all found TVs that were in the classrooms and turned on the news, and the teachers basically understood the rest of that day when it when it came out that that happened was done for. Right. And those teachers come and they were, you know, as we've been talking, we were asking questions and why and who and how and what's going to happen next and all that. And we actually had an FBI agent in one of my classes doing a presentation that day as well. And, uh, so, you know, but, but we were focused on that, not instruction. So know how to say, hey, guys, this is the important stuff. We're going to talk. We're going to go. We're going to do. And just if we look at everything so concrete that, it says that I'm supposed to have standard one one done today, right? And I get done at the end of the day, and one one's not really done. It's okay. It's okay. We can keep going. So, uh, yeah, my favorite has always been um, when we're doing big tests, right? And we'll do testing in the morning, and then that afternoon we send them to class, 
and they've tested for four hours that morning, and then we somebody, expect to teach somebody's going to try and teach them something new. <laughs> Just this is part of where that planning, that calendar comes into effect. Um, but remember that Grace is one of those big boulders, too. Yes. So, all right, tip of the week. You ready for tips of the week? It's time for tips of the week. I've, okay. got, I've got the best one here, but, you know, let's see what you got. Why is it always a competition? Oh, it's fine. Okay, so mine, um, a lot of us are starting a semester with a whole new batch of students. If you're in a high school that's on a block schedule, you've got a whole new group of students. If you are in higher ed, you've got a whole new group of students. Um, and sometimes, especially if you're teaching four, five, six, seven classes of 30 kids a piece, you may have trouble remembering their names. Um, so there, I actually have a, it's a twofer tip. So the first thing is, one of the things I've started doing in all of my classes is I make my students, it is, it's their very first assignment. It's a discussion board, but their response to the discussion board is that they have to make a TikTok style video introducing themselves um, and load it on the discussion board. So the reason I do that is A, TikTok is the social media that the students are using currently. So that's why we go TikTok style. Um, B, it goes on a discussion board so the students can get to know each other a little bit without awkward, strange conversations for those that are shy that I was that shy kid. I was never, ever going to walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I've never met you. How are you? So you were I. the kid. Yeah, you were so not. You were the kid that I that scared me. No lie. You were the loud, extroverted child that I was like, oh. Um, so it lets the students kind of see each other. And then the third thing is we can get a lot of information from that. By giving them kind of an opening, you're going to automatically know which kids are more of that extroverted feeling just simply by the way they're engaging in that video. You're going to know which kids are more creative. They're the ones that are going to come up with the TikTok dances. And like, you're just going to know a lot about your kids. The fact that it's a discussion board means you can go back and watch them. <laughs> so that's super helpful to help know names um, or help remember names. The other thing that I do is I make it mandatory that they put a profile picture in the learning management system. And that profile picture, at least for the first week and a half, has to be their face. Um, as it is now, I tell them, I make a big joke about it, that I don't want the selfie they took in the bathroom with the duck lips. I just want their face. Um, now, what I have done beyond that to grow some engagement... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Every once in a while, I will run just a competition on profile pictures in the LMS. And we'll pick a theme like, all right, I want your favorite food, right? And then we'll do some little competition and everybody upload your profile picture, best one voted on by the class, and you win something. You know, when I was teaching high school, it was like a bag of combos or something. Now it might be um, a coffee from Maples or a sandwich from the Chick-fil-A. Something easy. I don't do it every week. But it's a great way to get them engaged and help them learn more about each other. And so my recommendation this week is actually uh, about you, really. <laughs> uh, so uh, as we've been uh, kind okay, of developing... Okay, if it's about me, then I'll admit that it's the best. Okay. Well, <laughs> so uh, as we've kind of been building the Perfect Chaos brand since we first went live in, in November, uh, really, I guess we went live in October with all the teaser episodes, and then uh, November came around and, and we came out... 
is um, our, our latest is our website, uh, which you've been working on uh, ever since a, just a random conversation here in the office. Uh, but if you haven't already, go to the Perfect Chaos website. It's www.perfect-chaos.org. And uh, one of the things that we've added to that recently is a blog post uh, every week. Now, uh, we are both supposed to be doing this, and Ron has definitely been hitting a lot more because uh, my creative side has not been very creative in writing that, even though I do have one up on my screen uh, to work on now. But uh, in addition to this podcast, uh, there's also uh, some supporting stuff going behind with the blog posts uh, that you have. We've kind of referenced a couple of them uh, here today um, throughout uh, but it's definitely something that's interesting. You can go to that website and you can uh, get to most of the stuff that I'm actually getting ready to mention to next. You see our podcast, you see the blogs, you see us uh, as individuals, uh, kind of everything that we've been talking about. So You can contact us through there as well. You can contact us through as, there as well. So as we conclude today, we would like to say that we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging each and every one of you. However, without your feedback, we don't know what you're thinking. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. But also don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PerfectChaos7 and Instagram at PerfectChaos, and that is the number seven. And personally, you can get a hold of Rhonda through her Twitter at... At DRR Blevins. And mine is at DSBLEV, DSBLEV. If you are following us on the Anchor.fm platform, you can also hit the message button and leave us a voice message. And we'd actually love to include a couple of those on our podcast uh, if you feel led to do that. And we'd also uh, like to make mention that we have opened up the listener support tab on Anchor as well. So if you feel led, you can help support the podcast with a small donation that will be used to help expand our podcast capabilities. But until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos.